0: Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Daniel, the book of Daniel chapter 2, the book of Daniel chapter 2, and verses 20 to 23. I would like to request you to stand in honor of God's word. Daniel chapter 2, verses 20 through 23, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. To whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what it what is in the darkness. And the light dwells with him. To you, O oh God, my Father, I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom and might, and have knowledge made known to me, and what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Let me read. Okay, let's pray for Pastor Monella. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. That you have told us to trust in your ways and acknowledge you and you will make straight our paths. So this afternoon, even as we sit under your feet listening to what you want us to to hear, to understand, and to act on. We thank you for the servant of today that you have chosen to bring your word, Pastor Monala. We thank you, we bless you, and we honor you, and we pray this in Jesus' name.
1: Amen. Amen. Amen, amen. Thank you. Let us appreciate Pastor Mudoni for reading scripture. Asante uh, sana, asante sana for reading. We already thanked uh, Pastor Dave, and I also thank you so much for making the service such a beautiful service, especially when you led us uh, through the Holy Communion uh, service. is just uh, perhaps the greatest celebration that Christians come together to celebrate and to remember what it is that Christ accomplished for us. We are here because of his death and the shedding of his blood. So thank you so much for bringing us into the presence of the Lord. But isn't it wonderful? Uh, and almost you almost feel that you would be a child today. Didn't they do a fantastic job? You know, I just felt that after they finished singing, we should just go home, because they have actually summarized what we want to say in the sermon. Basically, what we're trying to, to do now is just add some few meat here and there, but they've already preached the sermon. Amen. Thank you so much again for being here and uh, for the opportunity of us being able to worship together, and now also to be able to reflect on some things that God, I believe, would want us to uh, have uh, today. I want to confess that uh, today's message uh, is a, a, it can be a difficult message, uh, just because uh, of the uh, uh, concept, or rather, uh, what God has revealed uh, about Himself, and we're trying to understand that. But it is in Scripture, and God wants us to tackle that. So uh, let's see uh, if uh, we can be able to do that. The um, the, the our our. Messages definitely have been uh, uh, based uh, on drawing our hearts to trust in God and to just release ourselves to him and allow him to be who he is, our God, our Father, our friend, our companion. That's what he desires for us. But let me begin by saying that uh, the book of Proverbs uh, is uh, considered uh, to be a book of wisdom. Uh, along with its sister book, uh, Ecclesiastes, uh, they fall under what we call in the Old Testament uh, wisdom books. In order for us to be able to allow God to be at the center of our lives and to be part of our Ways, in other words, uh, uh, surrendering all our ways to him so that he can run the show, we need God's wisdom. And so I would say that uh, wisdom is your ability and my ability to skillfully uh, navigate our way uh, through the twists and turns uh, of life by standing firmly on what God has revealed in his word, the truth that God has revealed, and applying that truth in our day-to-day lives, in our day-to-day decisions. That is wisdom. Because the ways of the Lord are designed to lead us to his will, which is perfect for us. Solomon, just before he became king in Israel, understood the value of God's wisdom. And when he was given an opportunity to either choose wealth and power and wisdom, he wisely chose God's wisdom and said, I want wisdom. You see, Solomon understood that if he was going to successfully navigate through life and remain in God's perfect will, it is going to be because he has God's wisdom. Which leads me to say that if you and I want to allow God to be at the center of our lives. In other words, as the proverb writer would say, acknowledge him in all our ways. We must acknowledge the infinite wisdom and knowledge of God. We must come to the place where we understand and acknowledge the fact that uh, God knows all things and that he is all wise And as such, we can submit ourselves to this God who knows all things, who is all wise, believing that because he too is a God of love, will lead us to the right place that will enable us to live out his purpose here on earth in our lives. If you are listening carefully, you probably are hearing me use the word knowledge and the word wisdom together. The reason for that is uh, whenever God's wisdom and knowledge is spoken about in the scripture, usually they are or they go hand in hand. In other words, God's wisdom is based upon God's knowledge. And we could say that an all-knowing God is also an all-wise God. The term that we theologians use to describe the knowledge and wisdom of God is the word omniscient, which simply means that God knows everything. There is nothing that is hidden from God. In fact, God knows all things about everything. He knows, uh, 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 he knows what's going to happen even before it happens. He is all-knowing. There is nothing in heaven, nothing under the earth that uh, God is not aware of. Jesus put it this way, that he knows the number of the hair on your head. Some of us, it's easier for him to count than others. <laughs> but, but the, the description by our Lord Jesus Christ, was to help us to understand how vast the knowledge of God is, how great the wisdom of God is. Perhaps the person in the Bible among many who understood the wisdom and the knowledge of God is uh, a man by the name Daniel, who I want to believe that uh, many of us are familiar with. Daniel was one of the young men who were taken from Israel into captivity in Babylon. And while there, he rose in ranks and worked for the government within the palace. At the time, the king was Nebuchadnezzar. One day, Nebuchadnezzar had a very troubling dream. And it disturbed him. And he woke up in the middle of the night and something not very strange because it happens to many of us, a great dream, a sweet dream, and you wake up and you can't remember what the dream was. That's exactly what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. He couldn't remember the dream. And he was really, really hungry to get to remember. What did I, what was that dream? But then he remembered, wait a minute, I don't have to struggle to find out what I dreamt about. There are people in my palace who I pay so much money to be able to be to advise me and to tell me things. They are magicians, they are enchanters, they are diviners. They should be able to do this. So he called all his wise people, the magicians, the enchanters, the diviners, uh, all of them came. And he said to them, I would like to know what my dream was all about. And uh, they having maybe even deceived him in the past we are ready to give him an interpretation, but he said, wait a minute. First, you have to tell me what the dream was because I can't remember the dream. And there was no one who could do it until word came to Daniel. And Daniel was invited into the presence of King Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel, can you be able to tell me my dream, and what it means. And Daniel looked at the king and in chapter 2, verse 26 of Daniel, Daniel said to the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, there is no human being, no wise person, no enchanter, no diviner, no magician who can be able to tell you your dream or even remind you what you dreamt about. But listen, King Nebuchadnezzar. In heaven, there is a God who reveals mysteries. There is nothing that is hidden from him. He is not only going to tell you the dream, but he is going to tell you what is going to happen in the coming days in connection with a dream that you dreamt about. Daniel later on testified of the infinite wisdom of God when he said of God that he reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells in him. In other words, there is nothing, there is no mystery to God. You see, God is never puzzled God is never confused or unsure. God is never taken by surprise and say, hiya, what happened? God knows what is going to happen even before it happens. Now, why is that important for you and I? Why is it important for us to know those attributes of God? Especially as far as it relates to us acknowledging him in all our ways. When we began this series a couple of weeks ago, you recall that I made a statement, for those of you who can recall, when we started I said that we live in a world that is full of twists and turns. We can hardly know what, is, or what to expect at the next bend in the journey of life. Now let me just clarify a little bit about that statement because maybe the picture that I gave you is that we are living in a world that is so bad, the world that is a lot of suffering and pain and anguish and so forth. I want to say that there are many, many moments in our lives when there is reason to celebrate because God... Good and great things are happening. There are moments when a new child is born in our families and we hold that child with great joy. There are moments when we are promoted at work and we rejoice at that moment. There are times when we get money from I don't know where, but it comes into our possession, and those are great moments in life. So when we say that the life is full of twists and turns some of those twists can be really good twists, but it's good for us and correct for us to say to one another, we live in a very difficult world. We live in a world uh, where horrible things happen. And it's very easy for you and I, if we don't understand the infinite wisdom and knowledge of God, to actually question, is God truly in control of this world? Or did God just create this world and then leave and go somewhere else? Who knows, maybe he's running another world that we have no idea about. He's forgotten the earth. When there is drought, and you see on TV children or old people eating leaves to survive, where is God? When there is a genocide, and people hack each other to death mercilessly. Where is God in that kind of a situation? Where is God? Is he in control? When people who are seeking for spiritual guidance in their lives come in contact with a spiritual leader, and instead of them focusing them on the cross and how the cross can become a means for them to be related to God and to have a personal relationship with God, they lead them into starving themselves to death. Where is God in that kind of a situation? Where is God when 130 people are buried dead because they were trying to find some connection with a spiritual being? Is God in control? Is God all-wise Does he know all things? And if he does, where is he? You see, if you do not understand the infinite wisdom and knowledge and power of God, you are going to get stuck in the twists and turns of life. But if you can be able to understand that our God is infinite in power, and in wisdom, if you have a correct view of God's sovereignty, you are going to be able to understand what goes on in our world today. And then only will you be able to confidently place your life in this God who is all-wise and who is all-knowing. You see, your view of God's wisdom will definitely affect your view of life. If your view of God's knowledge and wisdom is correct, then and then only will you have a sense of what's going on in our world today. You see, you and I must come to a place where we understand clearly that God, in his sovereignty, determines all things. He determines all things. And when God does not determine, he in his sovereign power allows it to happen. You see, God cannot be sovereign if anything in this world ever took him by surprise. Then he's not sovereign. But he is sovereign. The scriptures Tell us he is sovereign. There is nothing that takes him by surprise. So, God either causes things to happen and they happen, or he allows things to happen. Things that he may not want to happen, but allows them to happen. Let me see if I can be able to help you to understand from uh, scripture. Many of you are familiar with the man Job. The Bible begins by, in the book of Job, by telling us that Job was a very wealthy man. And the, in fact, it says that God had blessed him, which means that in God's sovereign will, he had permitted Job to be wealthy and to be blessed. He had almost everything, perhaps one of the richest, if not the richest man of his time. And who made it? It's God who decided Job would be wealthy. But one day, in the twists and turns of life, the enemy of our soul, Satan, came into the presence of God. Now, these are some of the complicated things that you and I will never be able to completely comprehend. But the Bible tells us that Satan came into the presence of God and said, I want to hurt Job. Because if I hurt him, he's not going to seek you anymore. And the Bible tells us that God gave him permission. God decided Job would be wealthy. God did not want to hurt Job. Job. But in his sovereign wisdom, in his sovereign knowledge, in his everlasting love, he permitted, or so to speak, allowed Satan, in the words of the Bible, to touch Job. You see, our God decides this is going to happen, and it happens. Other times, he says, I don't want that to happen. But I am going to allow that to happen in order to get my agenda in the world fulfilled. The Apostle Paul says that God God does things according to the counsel of his will. He is God the creator, God the controller, and sustainer of all things. You know what that means? That means that the reference point for you and I when it comes to acknowledging God in all our ways is not what's going on around us. It's not what we read in the newspaper that horrible things that are happening or what directly affects us in our own lives. The reference point is the sovereignty of God. The problem with many of us is that we focus On the challenges of life, so much so that we forget that God is sovereign, and in his sovereignty, the Bible tells us that He is everlasting His love is everlasting. His kindness is great. So if you immerse yourself in the in the sovereignty of God and in the love of God, then you are able to look at what's going on in our world, look at what's going on in your own life, and be able to navigate through life. This is a truth that uh, I almost forgot in the last several months. At the beginning of uh, last year, uh, my wife and I uh, experienced some really challenging times. My sister was diagnosed with breast cancer. And uh, we thought, uh, you know, she will go in for treatment and things will be fine. So she went in for treatment, and things seemed to be fine for a couple of months. But her condition, for some reason, started to go bad again. And so Pastor Mothone and I invited her to come and live with us so that she could be closer to her doctors and her place of work. While with us, I had the opportunity... Of being able to observe her. One to observe her relating with God in a very special, intimate way, but also to observe her her has her health deteriorated. There are many times when I would come and actually just lay my hands on her because she would sit at the table and listen to music. Uh, worship songs, and I would come and lay my hands and believe that God was going to heal her. And I would pray earnestly to the sovereign God. Uh, But you know, her health continued to be bad and bad and bad. And eventually, she went to be with the Lord. About, uh, uh, I would say, halfway uh, of last year, when my sister was uh, uh, suffering and we were dealing with that, we got a call uh, from Shags. And the call was that my mom had had a stroke. And she was on the ground, unable to speak and unable to move. So we arranged for her to be taken to the hospital, where she spent about two weeks By the time we got her out of the hospital, she was still unable to speak and unable to do anything for herself. But we had to take her to a nursing home. My mom was a very talkative person. I am not very talkative. And many times I would go to visit her and we would sit and she would talk the whole time and I would just soak it in, soak it in. I've gone to the nursing home and she can't talk. She just tries to mumble. And since I'm not talkative, we just look at each other. For an hour, two hours. Then I say, okay, now I'm leaving. I'm going back. And she nods. And I have prayed. I prayed, God, bring at least the voice back. Ah. But all heaven seemed silent. And you know, The truth of the sovereignty of God is a truth that I've learned over the years. uh, In fact, I I expanded that knowledge by being in seminary. But I found myself where many of us find ourselves questioning God. Are you for real? Is it possible that I can pray to you and you wouldn't do things the way that I want you to do them? In fact, I remember thinking this way. One of these days, I'll be standing in front of God's people, and I'm going to tell them to trust in God because God can do amazing miracles. And I said, God, why would I be telling people to do something that I personally am asking you to do and you can't do? You know, God smacked me in the face. Has God ever smacked you in the face? (laughs) He woke me up, and he drew me to our friend job you know when job was going through challenging times there's a point where he began to question the all knowingness of god all wisdom of god all the love the, 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 the love of god and he actually took god to court and he became a lawyer i think it's i don't know if they call uh, we would call god the respondent Sometimes during the election, those words uh, usually come up. He brought God into court, and he began to ask God questions, and he asked God questions, uh, challenging God's sovereign power and right in his life. And God, who is the perfect lawyer of all lawyers, waited until job finished. And then, Job, and then God started to ask him questions. You should look at the questions that God asked Job in Job, I believe, 38 uh, there. God said to Job, Job, were you there when I laid the foundation of earth? Where were you? Job, have you ever seen uh, mountain goats give birth? Job, do you know where light comes from? Have you ever commanded morning, not the commanding morning that we see on TV, command your morning, have you ever commanded morning to come? And it came. And he, he asked Job so many questions, and each of those questions, the answer to them was, no, 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 no. So the idea was, then Job, you can't question me. You cannot question my sovereignty. You can't question my power. You can't question my knowledge. You can't question my wisdom. You know, as God has worked in me in the last couple of months, refining me, he has helped me to make the reference point not the challenges that I'm experiencing, but his sovereign power, love, wisdom, and knowledge. You know when I have done that? The words of Isaiah 52, I believe, which say, Thou dost keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. I hope I quoted that right. But the idea is that when we focus our minds on the, on the supreme power, on the sovereignty of God, on the all know and we throw ourselves into his arms, God gives us peace, even when we are going through the challenges of life. Years back, uh, when I was a young uh, teenager or young man, we used to attend uh, Word of Life camps. Those of you who are about my age or slightly younger than I probably attended Word of Life camp. And uh, the director at Word of Life camp, his name, Dave Robertson, loved to preach from the book of Job. Uh, In fact, it looks like he used to preach the book of Job every time we went to to camp. But there is a statement that uh, Dave Robertson would make. That statement became ingrained in my mind and in my heart. I don't know how I forgot that statement when we went through these challenges that we've gone through. And the statement was, it came in a form of a question. Does God have a right to do anything in your life without telling you or giving you the reason why he's doing it? Does he? You see, God is sovereign. And he will choose whether... To tell you why he's doing what he is doing. And listen to this, if he chooses not to tell you, it is because in his sovereign will he sees no need for you to know what he is doing. You see, it would be wonderful if in the middle of the night, God would come and tap Richie. Or sometimes the way he calls me pastor when I'm doing bad things, he calls me pastor. Laughter uh, I want to tell you why I'm doing what I'm doing. It would be wonderful, isn't it? But God doesn't do that. At least not in this case. There are some cases when God will do that. That is his prerogative. He can choose to tell us or not to tell us. To acknowledge God in all our ways is to say, God, I am allowing you to do what you have purposed to do in my life because you are all wise, you are all knowing, and your purpose for my life is perfect for me. Listen to this: the hardships and the many surprise and, and, and that may surprisingly come into your life that seem random, the unexpected, the undeserved, the unbearable challenges, those difficulties, in fact, are not random. In God's economy, Nothing just happens. They are, listen to this, part of God's sovereign plan for your life. A plan for your ultimate good and God's ultimate glory. Isn't that staggering? That God wants to use you to bring glory to himself. And you know, God is not Going to permit anything to happen in your life that is not going to end up to bring glory to him. When Satan tries to come to you and to attack your life, he has to get permission. There is no way that he's going to step into your life, and God, as I said earlier, you know, wonders where did Satan wapi you know, you are the beloved of God. He saved you through the, through the painful death of his son. You are dear to him as a son, has a daughter. There is no way. <laughs> he, he can't get in there. And you know what that means for you, what that means for me? Is that in understanding the sovereignty of God the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God, that helps me to rest in peace and not to worry about the future and not to worry about what is going to happen in the days to come. Because I know as long as I am submitted to his will, he will carry me through and accomplish what he has purposed to accomplish in my life. I don't have to worry about what's going to happen next week. See, next week I'm planning to, uh, at the invitation of, uh, of our pastor in Diani, to go and preach for him. You guys wouldn't know how excited. I'm going to Diani. <laughs> <laughs> and I am looking so forward to it, I've decided to take my two nieces with me. And uh, I am going, we are going to the SGR. <laughs> We're going to sit in first class. And I am hoping that as we ride on our way to Mombasa, maybe, who knows, God might allow me to be able to see the elephants messing up with one another. There is nothing as beautiful as to see elephants messing with each other. Don't think too much about that. (laughs) I've always wanted to. (laughs) It could be. But do you know, it is very possible that this train could run off the trucks and who knows what will happen to us. Now, I'm not going to worry about those possibilities because in, sovereign, in, in the hands of the sovereign God, I rest. And therefore, I don't have to continually... And that's why worry is sin, because it questions God's sovereignty in our lives and care and, uh, and protection, uh, so to speak. God has a right to do what he wants to do in order to make us into what he desires to do. I I love the words of the psalmist. In Psalms 138, he he said this, The Lord will accomplish what concerns me. And then he said, Your loving kindness, O Lord, is everlasting. And listen to what he told God. Do not forsake the works of your hands. You know what that means? He understood that God is at work in him building him, working in him. And then he said, even when you're working in me, there are things that I may not really like, but I will not forget your everlasting love. And then because of that, he said, God, please don't stop doing your work. Don't forsake the works of your hand, which is to develop me into the kind of person that you want. Perhaps some of you have heard the story of um, uh, the sculptor, who wanted to fashion a a beautiful angel from a slab of marble. A passerby saw him doing what he was doing and asked him what he was up to. After explaining what he was trying to do, the passerby said, How? How are you going to be able to fashion a beautiful angel from this slab of marbles? Well, the sculptor said to this man, that's very easy. What I'm going to do is just to chisel away everything that doesn't look like an angel and eventually I will end up with a beautiful angel. You know, when I think about what God is up to in our lives, I think of that moment that you and I said, I invite you, Jesus, to come into my life. And God began what the Apostle Paul describes as a good work. He began to do a good work. What is that work? That work is a work of shaping us, molding us, and conforming us into the very image of Jesus Christ. What God is constantly doing in our lives is that he is chiseling away those things in our lives that don't look like Jesus Christ. And the hammer and the chisel that he uses sometimes is to allow some pain, some difficult moments, that help us to develop into the very likeness of our Savior, Jesus Christ. A woman said, I want to be like Jesus. I really want to be like Jesus. Can you pray for me? Because I want to be like Jesus. And the pastor said, uh, said, let's pray. And the pastor prayed, God, please send a lot of problems into her life. Because what basically he was saying that God sometimes sharpens our character, builds us up in this life that is full of twists and turns by allowing some challenging moments to help to develop our character. Over the years I had gotten relaxed in the goodness of God that I forgot who he is and to continue to reflect on his sovereignty so that when God so that he has permitted some challenges in my life to wake me up to his sovereignty. To acknowledge the Lord in all of our ways is to come to the point where you say, my God is all-knowing. My God is all wise. So, I invite you, God, to be at the center of my life. I want your will, as it is done in heaven, to be done here on earth. In other words, when we pray, let your will be done, we are basically saying, what has been decided by you, God, Align it, or rather align my life with that will, because that is what I want to happen in my life. And sometimes God does things the way that he chooses to do in ways that we can't understand. I know one of the biggest questions in your Bible study this week is going to be, then why should I pray? What's the purpose of prayer if God is sovereign? Prayer is about obedience to God. I want to make a statement that may, uh, <laughs> may throw your theological conviction aside. Prayer is not so much about God answering our prayers. Prayer is about honoring God, obe- obeying him, and being aligning ourselves to his will. So much so that if, even if I came a million times to ask God for, for things, and he doesn't, I walk away knowing... That I've been in the presence of God. I have obeyed him. I have followed the example of my savior, Jesus Christ, who, even though he was God, spent countless hours praying. And I have done that, and that honors God. So now it's up to God to do what he must do. And let me tell you, in my experience, and in my, in my walk with the Lord, God always answers our prayers. But he answers his way, and sometimes he will answer directly. That's why sometimes we testify and say, God answered this, God answered that. Because he answered directly according to the way that we ask. But there are times when he doesn't. But in the end, I've always seen God answer my prayers exactly to my own good. Let me finish by just saying that I... Uh, I'm sure Bishop might remember this. Some of you may not know what A-Level is. A-Level is an exam that people used to do before they got into university. You remember that? Yeah. So I went to school, got from school, and uh, looked at my results, and they, there's no way I was going to go to university because uh, I had failed. My walk from school to my home was like 100 kilometers, and yet it was only 10, it must have been about only just 10 kilometers. I went questioning and wondering what my future was going to look like. Two years later, I was on the plane, and my days getting on the plane was not, was not just a Qaeda thing. <laughs> no, this is when we used to have East African airways. <laughs> when people used to smoke... In, in, in the aeroplanes. I was, on, on, I was on, on the plane, not just by myself. My wife would be following me later. But I was on the plane going to a university. You see, I prayed that God would make me successful. I could also be at the Nairobi University because everybody went there. But I didn't. But you see, God had a much bigger. My prayer was not answered. But did He answer my prayer? And thank God that today I can come and hide here and chop up uh, the gospel to you because God had a plan for my life set up. But uh, some of the things that I used to ask God and desire and say that I wanted to be, none of those came to pass. But he had a perfect will. He was so pleased that I would spend time with him in prayer. That is the purpose of prayer. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you and may his face shine upon you. Thank you.